Welcome to the ACC Basketball Report Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Hunter, otherwise known as at PCOM36 on Twitter. This is the first post-season edition of the show that I've been doing. Um, set up in my office today, uh, a little bit different. If it sounds a little bit different, I apologize. I'm still, uh, still tweaking some things. Uh, if you're new to the show, this is the podcast that goes with the content on ACCBasketballReport.com. This is a crowdfunded podcast. If you're interested in being a patron, please visit ACCBasketballReport.com. Click on the RSS feed, go to my Podbean page, click on Be a Patron, and uh, and go ahead and show your support for the show, and I thank you in advance. Uh, tossing around the idea of putting some swag together, uh, stickers, sweatshirts, things of that nature. Um, currently getting my my artwork done, my permanent artwork for the show, and uh, a little bit of custom work. So, uh, so things are moving. Things are looking good. Things are looking up. Uh, I'm going to be here for the long haul, as I've said before, and really looking forward to it. So diving right into it, we're going to do things a little bit differently today. Not going to do the week in review. Um, the season's over. Uh, not going to do the updated power rankings. You can basically look at the standings and, uh, and see kind of where everybody's at. Um, the power rankings that I do are typically a predictive measure, um, something I think that you can use you know, moving forward. Um, not necessarily looking at the standings mid-season and, and seeing where everybody is, you can use the power rankings to kind of see where I think things possibly are going to end up um, given how people are playing at that particular time, that particular week. Um, so, today's going to be the awards show. Today is going to be the ACC tournament preview. Today is going to be me talking about uh, a little bit about the tourney talk, a little bit about bubble talk, uh, teams that I think are going to get in, um, teams that I think still have some work to do, and teams that I would leave out of the field, uh, quite honestly. And I'm going to dive right into it. First, let me check out uh, the final standings on the ACC season. Jesus, uh, uh, Duke. Virginia comes in at one, uh, you know, basically wire to wire. Um, Duke at two, Clemson three. Miami actually slipped into the top four and gets that last coveted uh, double bye in the ACC tournament, which... Uh, you know, I, I thought NC State was going to end up with it. Um, they actually came in sixth. UNC come in right between those two uh, at five. Virginia Tech comes in at seven. Um, FSU at eight. Louisville nine. Syracuse ten. Notre Dame at eleven. And then Boston College, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, and Pittsburgh all round up the fifteen. Um, <clears throat> interesting. Yesterday was huge. I. Uh, I put something on on the website on Thursday. I believe that yesterday would be Judgment Day, and some teams stepped up and some teams did not. Uh, looking at the, the, the upcoming national tournament and and some bubble talk, for the life of me, I can't figure out why people still have Louisville in this tournament. But uh, I'll get to that in a second. I think FSU did themselves not really a huge favor yesterday by winning, but they couldn't lose that game. I think if they lost that game, they'd be on the outside. Um, I think they're in. Um, currently, of all of, of all of these four, I guess, I think Florida State is the most likely to get in. Um, I think a couple of these teams, possibly three of these four teams are going to get in. Um, right now, I think FSU is the eighth team in. And <clears throat> oh, I'll get to the rest in a second. Louisville, the loss last night uh, in Raleigh, uh, it's got to knock them out. Um, unless they make some kind of run in the ACC tournament. Obviously, a win over Florida State in that 8-9 game um, it would help. Uh, if Florida State beats them in that game, I think Louisville's done. I think they have to be. Um, it, it's just the Cardinals haven't shown us enough. You know, They haven't shown us that they can, they can win the big game. Um, they, they don't have a resume that speaks volumes. Um, they're just not impressive to me, and, and, and watching them, watching the product they put on the floor, is just not something that I think they can't make it to the second weekend. And my biggest thing, um, as I've said, is when you're picking an at-large team, pick me teams that are potential Sweet 16 teams. And uh, I don't think Louisville fits that mold. Um, Syracuse, Syracuse gets a quote-unquote quadrant one win yesterday at home um, against Clemson. Clemson was the only uh, road team that I actually picked to win yesterday um, and the only game that I got incorrect. I, I, I keep picking them in the blind tests on Twitter. you know. I, I, but when I watch them play, 
there's just there's not a whole lot of upside there. You know, they're they're a pretty good defensive team. They're a terrible offensive team. Um, I just I, I I can't I can't put them in ahead of Florida State. I can put them in ahead of Louisville. Um, I think if it comes down to the two, Syracuse should probably be in. Louisville should not be in. Uh, the fourth team on this list is Notre Dame. And now that they've got Colson back, who looks fantastic already, um, I, I expected him to take some time to, to you know shake the rust off a little bit. But he came up, played fantastic against Pittsburgh, and, and had a great game yesterday. Uh, Notre Dame fell short uh, in that game, which I think it, it doesn't kill them, but they, they really need to put something together in this ACC tournament. They need to show these guys at the committee that they can play. I think they will do that. If I had to pick two out of these four, I would take Florida State and Notre Dame. Um, when Notre Dame has Colson, they're a top 15 team. You know, they won at Maui. They won that whole tournament. They beat Wichita State, which is a great win. Um, uh, Florida State, they're, they're a good team, but they, they, were, they were fortunate to win that game yesterday. Boston College really dominated that game for about 35 minutes, and then it just fell apart, couldn't hit a shot. Uh, Florida State... I would rather I would rather see Florida State in the tournament than Syracuse Louisville. I, I think they're a better team. They're a better watch. Um, you know, Syracuse. I'm just I don't know. It seems like year after year Syracuse keeps getting in. They seem to do well, but I don't think they deserve it this year. I definitely don't think Louisville deserves it this year. So I'm gonna jump now into ACC tournament, which the way this shook out was interesting to say the least. Um, there there's potential here. For, uh, for some teams, for some unlikely teams to make a run. Uh, the way it's set up, and I, I've heard some people in the last couple of days complain about the double buy system. I think the double buy is fantastic. I think it means that over the course of a long 18-game season, those games matter. You know, th there's, there's a goal to play hard in every game over the course of the season. You will be rewarded with a double buy basically into the quarterfinals. Um, you know, Miami is a perfect example of a team that, you know, at one point looked really bad. And in the past week and a half, they, you know, they, they, they showed a lot of heart, a lot of grit, never gave up, and won some close games, got themselves into that double bye. Now, granted, that also means that you're not likely to add to your win total when you get into that situation because, you know, you're going to play, like, for instance, Miami's probably going to face North Carolina in their in their next game. Um, and uh, anyway, let's get right into it. Uh, first six teams that will play on Tuesday, Boston College uh, and Georgia Tech in the 12-13 game. I am going to go ahead and take Georgia Tech in that game, especially if uh, forward Stefan Mitchell does not play. And uh, Luka Krajevic, who took a nice shot to the head yesterday, uh, possibly out with a concussion. Haven't seen anything official on that yet. If those two guys are out, I... I Boston College still has that, that trio on, on the perimeter, but uh, I don't think that Boston College can win that game. Now, Georgia Tech is notoriously bad on the road, so something's got to give here. It's injuries versus poor play on the road, basically. Um, can Georgia Tech take advantage of, uh, of that front court depth? Oh, excuse me. Um, you know, we'll see. It'll be an interesting Tuesday game. That's the most interesting Tuesday game, I think. Um, Syracuse comes in at 11, like I said. Uh, they get Wake Forest. I'm actually thinking that this is more for my my own, I guess, conscience more than anything. I'm going to take Wake Forest here. I don't know why. I, I couldn't tell you why. I think it's obvious that that Syracuse zone is going to shut down Wake Forest, but I don't think Syracuse belongs in the tournament. Syracuse is going to be very difficult to beat in New York. You know, all signs point to Syracuse winning. I'm going to take Wake Forest just because. I think Syracuse is due to let somebody down. Um, and I think this time it might be themselves. Uh, so I'm going to take Wake Forest in the upset. Minor upset, mild upset, but uh, repercussions that will ring throughout the landscape of college basketball because I think that's going to open up a bid or at least eliminate Syracuse from the bid uh, bubble and uh, move somebody up. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think Syracuse is in trouble anyway. At least they would be if I was picking teams. You know, thankfully for some, I'm not the guy making those decisions. Uh, Notre Dame at 10. Notre Dame is, is so fortunate here. Um, 
you know, they get they get Pittsburgh. Okay, so the Notre Dame comes in at ten. They draw Pittsburgh, which is basically a first round bye. So they get you know one more game where Bonzi Colson probably only has to log twenty to twenty five minutes um, in order for Notre Dame to lock up that victory. He gets to knock the rust off, work on his conditioning, but he also isn't uh, overexerting himself where he might be put in a position where he can re-injure himself. Um, they then potentially, if they if they're able to beat Pitt, I think we all of the of the same uh, opinion that they will get that victory. When they move into the second round, Virginia Tech, which was once in the double bye situation, dropped all the way from four down to number seven. Uh, you know, Virginia Tech just is so inconsistent. I can't. I like Virginia Tech. I like their talent, especially on the perimeter. They've got some knockdown shooters. They've got some great athletes. You know, Justin Bibbs, Ahmed Hill. Ahmed Hill is starting to look better. Um, he, you know, apparently he was in the doghouse for a bit. He looked terrible, and he's starting to get his uh, get his shape back. But with Colson, with a NCAA bid on the line, there's no way I'm picking against Notre Dame in this game. So I think uh, Notre Dame moving to the next round after the Virginia Tech game. Wake Forest, after they get past Syracuse, will face North Carolina, who got a single bye, moving in at number six. I think UNC takes that game uh, pretty handily. Uh, Georgia Tech will get NC State moves into the fifth slot. This is a game that you know NC State wants, right? Uh, G-Tech just ended their four-game win streak. Uh, in Atlanta, uh, NC State follows that up by beating Louisville last night in a game that I attended, which, real quick story, the game was fairly boring. Um, I, I, I purchased some tickets because I wanted to go to a game. I took what was available to me, and my seats are pretty terrible. They were behind the, uh, behind the basket in section 127. And so not great tickets. Uh, I left about halfway through the second half. Best part of the game was pre-game. They're introducing all the seniors for senior day. And uh, I had to grab some water there. Introducing the seniors for senior night. And guy about three rows in front of me is either baked or he's severely intoxicated. And the, uh, the, 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 the promo video starts playing on the big screen. And all the fans in, uh, in PNC Arena start so everybody in the stadium is booing this guy turns around looks at the crowd looks at his daughter says why are they booing who are they booing i can't believe that people are booing on senior night at uh, at the pnc at home and of course it was malik abdul abu being introduced to the game um so either this guy's a fair weather fan that has no idea what's going on in the stadium or he's just baked out of his mind and <laughs> had no idea what was going on. Anyway, NC State uh, against G-Tech in a revenge game for State. Uh, Georgia Tech, this is probably the best matchup Georgia Tech could have got um, after moving past that Boston College game if they're able to do so. Due to the revenge factor and how NC State's been playing lately, I don't think the G-Tech gets by them. It wouldn't shock me if Georgia Tech beats them, especially now that Ben Landers is playing such a high level. But so is Omar, uh, Omar year at seven, Markel Johnson. You know, NC State put on a really good show last night. Uh, a lot of guys in double figures. And, uh, you know, I, I got to take NC State here. You know, my fanhood wants to pick GT, but obviously NC State, I think, is a better team. I think they'll move on to face Clemson. In some serious, uh, with a, a game with some serious uh, NCAA tournament bid implications, in the 8-9 match, Florida State plays Louisville. Louisville's got to win this game. I don't think they will. Um, the last five minutes yesterday, you kind of saw Florida State play the way they're capable of. You know, they're deep, they're talented. Um, Trent Forrest is playing at a super high level. Uh, P.J. Savoy is knocking down triples left and right, um, and and timely triples. Um, I, I just I think I, I think somebody needs to sing Louisville a lullaby here, and I think Florida State's probably the team that can do that. And I think they need to win as well. You know, Florida State's not exactly a shoe in, but I think of those four teams that I mentioned before, they're probably the safest. I don't think if you don't take Florida State, you can justify taking. Syracuse, Louisville, or Notre Dame as is. So if you don't take those teams, you're only getting seven ACC teams in. I think it's quite obvious you're not going to take only seven ACC teams. I think you're probably at least going to take eight. That eighth team is going to be Florida State right now. Unless Louisville blows them out and goes on a deep run. Um, that, 
And I think the, the more likely scenario there is you would see them take nine and not take just eight and leave Florida State out. I think Florida State's pretty safe now. They're going to be very safe when they beat Louisville on, t- on uh, Wednesday. So, <clears throat> Florida State moves on. They get, you know, rewarded for their victory by playing number one Virginia. Can they beat Virginia? Sure. I mean, anybody can be beaten, you know. Will they beat Virginia? No, absolutely not. Um, I think Florida State gets the win they need against Louisville, then they go to Virginia and probably get boat raced. And when I say boat raced, when I'm talking about a a team playing Virginia, I mean they're probably going to lose by seven, and it's going to feel like 30. So Virginia moves on there, uh, moving into the quarters. I'm sorry, into the semis. And they will face the winner of Clemson-NC State, which... Clemson, you know, they sneak into that double buy situation, even though they lost yesterday to Syracuse in New York. I'm going to take NC State here. I, I just, Clemson's pretty one-dimensional right now, and I, I just like the way NC State's playing. Um, I don't think I really need to, to go much further with the explanation. So I'm going to take NC State to go in. And this is a game I really want to see anyway. I want to see NC State Virginia in this tournament. This is something I'm really interested in. Uh, Moving along to the 3-6 matchup, Miami-North Carolina. I think North Carolina wins that game. Uh, You know, Miami has been fortunate to win their last few games. You know, taking a couple buzzer beaters, a couple, uh, you know, good good luck, you know, things breaking their way situations in the last few games. Uh, Haven't exactly played particularly well, um, but played well enough to put any doubts that they weren't going to make the tournament to bed, I think. So they get UNC. I think UNC moves on to obviously what we want to see is a rematch of Duke-UNC because I think Duke will will shut down Notre Dame. I think asking Bonzi Colson to play three games in three days coming off an injury in which he missed six weeks is a tall order. Um, I think Notre Dame probably gets the two victories they need and, and locks down their their tournament bid, uh, but I think Duke ultimately will win this game. I mean, there's just too much front court depth. Uh, they don't. Duke doesn't obviously play great defense, but now that they move that two-three zone, they're playing better defense, um, and they're actually uh, points per possession on defense right now. I think I heard the Generals talk last week. It's some crazy number. Duke is in the top ten in the country since they've gone to the zone. Something crazy. I don't particularly remember the number, but it's a crazy stat. Duke is become a pretty efficient defensive team moving to that zone, which is going to drive Krzyzewski crazy because you know he fucking hates playing that zone. You know he does. So Duke moves on, face UNC, I believe. Um, on a neutral court in New York, tournament setting. Before the season, I picked Notre Dame to win this tournament, and I picked Duke to be the regular season champions. And the reason I did that was because of Notre Dame's senior leadership and Duke's young core group of players that you know have never played in that type of setting and then I ultimately chose Duke to win the national championship because of the lessons they would learn in this tournament by losing to a team like Notre Dame I'm going to stay along that line the only difference is instead of Notre Dame it's UNC I think UNC wins the 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 rubber match uh, with Duke and I think they move on to the finals now the other game that I'm really interested in you know I've seen Duke UNC it's the same game every year right somebody jumps out somebody catches up it comes down to the wire. It's craziness. It's madness. Last night was completely foolish. I, UNC, this is another reason I pick UNC. They've got to make up for last night. They got outscored by 20 in the second half. Uh, that was a choke job of epic proportions. Uh, so I think UNC gets right against Duke in New York. Write that down. I'll be wrong. No doubt. They'll probably lose by 40. Okay. UVA, NC State. NC State's going to lose this game, I think. I don't know why I want to see it so bad, but I really do. I'm really interested in watching NC State play one of the best teams in the country. Or, you know, the best team in the country. The unanimous number one team in the country right now, I believe, with uh, Villanova losing again. So, uh, UVA is going to win this game. They're going to go on to play UNC in the finals. Um, But I think NC State's going to keep it close. I think this is going to be a situation where you know everybody's going to be watching this game. You know, all that. This is going to be the best game of the day, or one of the best games that day, apart from UNC Duke, obviously. A lot of people from around the country are going to watch NC State, and they're going to start to see what we all see as fans of the ACC is that this team is for real. This team is somebody that needs to be feared moving into this tournament, and I, I think they'll prove that against Virginia. So you got a Virginia-UNC final, and, uh, you know, Cavalier fans, I hate to do it to you, but 
they're going to lose their their second game of the season or the third game of the season. Um, I think UNC is going to win this this tournament. I think that game last night is going to just it's it's got to be eating at Joel Berry this morning. Has to be. Um, and I think he's going to go on a fucking rampage in New York, and he's going to show everybody the type of player he is. Don't forget, this is a guy that's been all tournament team twice. He was. Uh, most outstanding player in last year's tournament. Um, this guy steps up in big situations, and I think that he's going to do so uh, in this tournament. And <laughs> here's the thing: if I believe UNC wins this tournament, and um, Kansas does not win the Big 12 tournament, UNC should be number one. I'm going to say that right now. They, they're just they're better their resume is better than Kansas UNC deserves that fourth number one I think if okay let me lay it out if UNC wins this tournament and Kansas loses in the Big 12 tournament your four number one seed should be U, uh, Virginia, UNC, Xavier and Villanova I think those are the four best teams in the country I really do I, I think UNC is there they didn't look at it in the second half yesterday but they looked at it in the first half yesterday um, you know I think that was a wake up call you know, this is, you see it every year. Teams get into a situation before the tournament that kind of binds them together. Um, getting embarrassed in Cameron last night by giving up 49 second half points is something that's really going to stick in UNC's crawl. And, uh, <laughs> and I think UNC is, is shaping up to go on a big run here. I don't know if they're going to win it all again, but I think they're going to just, I think they're going to boat race some teams early on in this, in this, uh, in this national tournament. So, that is, those are my picks for the ACC tournament. I cannot wait to watch this tournament. Unfortunately, you know, I don't get to see my boys play at uh, noontime on Tuesday. So um, maybe I can uh, sneak a little office hour, uh, watch ESPN app on the laptop and uh, catch my guys. But so now you know my picks. So go ahead, fill out your brackets and basically pick the exact opposite of everything I just picked. And you should do well if you're in any kind of ACC basketball tournament pool, which I've never heard of, but you never know. People do weird things when it comes to money and gambling. So, moving on to the ACC season awards, I'm going to tell you right now, some of you are going to be pissed. Hold on, let me grab some water. I got talking to my buddy Hokey Smash over at uh, ACC Weekly Podcast, talking ACC sports. Uh, there's nine legitimate guys. For, the, for each of these teams. In order to include everybody, I'd have to make the rosters seven players apiece instead of five. I didn't do that. Some of you are going to be pissed. Um, <laughs> I won't say who, but yeah, fuck it, I will. Miami fans are going to be pissed. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, but let's get down to it. First team, all ACC for the ACC Basketball Report podcast is... <clears throat> drum roll, please. I don't have any sound effects set up, so let's just skip the drum roll. First guy on the team, you know, no surprise, Marvin Bagley the third. Uh, 20.7 points per game, 11.2 rebounds, five 30-point games, and seven games with 15 or more rebounds. The kid is sensational. I, you know, it goes without saying. goes without saying the second guy on the list, Luke May, 17 and 10 every night, book it. Uh, has a, a bit of a problem when he faces guys with superior athleticism. Um, but he also neutralizes that struggle a little bit by being able to step out and hit timely threes, gets himself to the line, works hard on the boards, always impacting the game, typically in a positive way. Uh, sometimes he takes some shots that make me scratch my bald dome, but he's also the second best player on that team. You know, 12, 20 point games, two, 30 and 10 games. I mean, the, the guys, the, the fact that this guy is a walk-on or was was a former walk is a former walk-on is mind-blowing. Um, and Evan Jester for GTEC, if you're listening, turn into Luke May. That's what I want to see from you. The highest upside walk-on I think I've seen at Georgia Tech in a long time. Be Luke May. Uh, third guy, first team. And I, I, I thought this was a no-brainer. I talked about it last week or two. Jerome Robinson. 25 points every night in conference play. Book it. Ah, it just sounded like John Rothstein. Ah, you gotta hate that. You gotta hate when you go full Rothstein. Anyway, Rothstein. Rothstein. I don't know. He, he, he's fantastic. 
he's probably the most the player apart from Bagley. He's probably the most fun player to watch in the conference. I think that's I think that's fair to say. The guy just scores in every way possible. Shoots threes, goes to the hole, gets to the line, fast break. He can dunk it. He can finish with both hands. He finishes uh, crazy layups on the break, as we saw yesterday. Um, he's just a great player. These last two guys, UNC fans are about to be pissed at me. Um, you know who everybody else will have. I don't have that guy. Marquise Reed is, is my fourth guy on the first team. 16 points, 4.7 boards, 3.5 assists, 1.8 steals. The guy is awesome. Okay, if you don't watch Clemson games, you probably don't know because this guy isn't on ESPN, you know, posterizing people every day, which if you're still going to ESPN for your sports news, eh, you probably ain't listening to this podcast anyway. So Marquise Reed, fourth guy. My point guard on this team is Justin Robinson from Virginia Tech. I, 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 I looked at it from every possible way. Um, he's just, he, he's, he's awesome. He, he's awesome to watch play basketball. Without him, Virginia Tech isn't, isn't in the tournament, probably isn't on the bubble. Now, you know, if you want some statistics to back it up, over 16 points a game in conference play, five and a half assists, over two and a half rebounds, shooting 40% from three, and he's a great free throw shooter. And if you watch him play, it seems like he's always downhill. It's crazy. Um, he can get to the hoop against anybody. Um, tremendous first step. So if you back off him to give him a little bit of room, he's going to hit that triple in your face. Justin Robinson is my first team ACC point guard. Is what it is. Sorry, UNC fans. Now, your guys on the second team, first guy, Joel Berry. Um, now, 18, three assists, four rebounds a game. Pretty good year. This is a situation, I call this the LeBron James syndrome. Okay, you're picking the MVP of the NBA every year. Who's the MVP? It's LeBron James. Every year since he's been in the league, MVP, LeBron James. Just give it to him. But you can't do that. You expect things from him that when he does those things, it no longer surprises you. That's Joel Berry. Joel Berry might very well be the the see what I did there, be the, uh, the the best point guard in the conference this year. Justin Robinson, I think, just he's just played better. Um, and again, that's the LeBron syndrome. I, I've come to expect it from Joel Berry, so it doesn't impress me as much when he when he does the same things he's been doing for the last two years. So. Second team All ACC. I mean, I still hold the guy in high regard. I just right now, Justin Robinson's phenomenal. Uh, joining Barry on the second team, Tyus Battle, 20 points per game in conference play is 20 points per game in conference play. Uh, it's not an efficient, but it's still 20 points per game on, on a team that won 19 games. Um, doesn't shoot the three well, but he still keeps on chucking it up there, 31% on the season. Um, he's just a scorer on a team that doesn't have many scores, so you would think that you know, even when teams know they have to key on him, he's still getting 20. You know, Syracuse has still won 19 games. Syracuse is still on the bubble for the NCAA tournament. On a team that, when uh, Torian Thompson left, you know, before the season, you thought Syracuse was fucked. Well, they didn't. You know, they didn't struggle. Well, they did struggle, but they have a top 20 schedule, and they still won 19 games this year. Now, granted, they're, they're uh, half of their ACC wins are against Wake Forest, Pitt, and Boston College, but, hey, you can only beat the teams that are put in front of you. And Syracuse has has won more than they've lost, and Tyus Battle's the best best player on that team. So, you know, probably said too much. Probably spent a little bit too much time on Tyus Battle. Moving on to the third guy, Devin Hall from Virginia. Some people are going to argue he should be on the first team. That's possibly true. Um, you know, still at the end of the day, it's only 12 points per game, but he's shooting a crazy 45% from deep. Uh, he's a phenomenal defender. He gets big baskets for a Virginia team that has needed a lot of big baskets this year. And he seems unflappable. Um, you can't shake this guy. He just drills threes from the corner in your face, walks up to the other court, and shuts down your best offensive player. It's fucking crazy. Love watching the kid play. If he played on a different team, he'd probably score 20 a game. So, um, you know, Devin Hall, second team. Uh, another dookie, Wendell Carter Jr., uh, 14 points, 9.5 boards. How the fuck? How, how are the rebounds left after Marvin Bagley is, is sucking them up that uh, that Wendell Carter Jr. gets 9.5 boards a game? It's crazy. When Bagley was out for four games, eh, Carter averaged double-double, 16, 10.5, and three blocks. If he didn't have Bagley, he would be 
well, you can see what he'd be. And he'd probably play better. He'd probably do better than that. You know, Grayson Allen took up a lot of that slack, but <laughs> Wendell Carter's a star. He's a lottery pick. Um, and you're, I think you're going to see that moving forward. I think a lot of people are starting to see it now, especially that, that stretch where Bagley was out. But uh, this guy's phenomenal. I think he's the best rebound. Well, behind Bagley. I think Bagley has more uh, natural gifts, I think, um, as far as hard-nosed rebounding. I think Wendell Carter might be the best rebounder in the conference. Um, Bagley just gets rebounds out of his sheer athleticism. I think Carter will be probably a better rebounder at the next level. We'll see. I don't know. I'm just talking. At this point, I'm just talking out of my ass. I, I need to stay on script here. Uh, fifth and last name on the second team All-ACC list, Josh Kogi, my boy. Um, 18 and a half points a game, six and a half rebounds, basically three assists, uh, over one and a half steals and a block on his on his uh, on his resume for averages per game. Uh, also led the ACC in free throw attempts at 241, and shot a not so bad 83%. You know this team probably doesn't win a game. You know G Tech probably doesn't win a conference game without Josh Kogi. And if you watch him play now. Uh, well, before, Lammers is starting to round back into form um, from his injuries, but if you watched G-Tech earlier this season, when Josh Okoge leaves the game, holy shit. You know, I, I posted the, the, the gif or gif or whatever the fuck it is on Twitter the other day of when he leaves the game, basically they, they are just rudderless. You know, they're a compass that spins. They have no true direction. Uh, Josh Okoge is the calming force on that team. Um, he is maybe the most underrated player in the country, I think. I think that's fair to say. I think ACC people recognize and appreciate him for what he is, which is a player that does literally everything on the court. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm happy he plays for my guys. I love Josh Kogi. And uh, that may have something to do with putting him on the second team, but I also think he's earned it. So that's the second team. Tyus Battle, Joel Berry, Devin Hall, Wendell Carter Jr., and Josh Kogi. So moving on to the third team. I had so many names on this list, fellas. I, you know, if this was a 13 play, if I could put a whole team together on a third team, I would do it. Um, again, some of you guys are going to be pissed. I'm sorry for that. But uh, first name on the list, Kai Bowman. I have more guys from Boston College on these teams than I do Louisville guys. I have more Boston College guys than I do, or I have as many Boston College guys as I do North Carolina guys. Uh, does that make sense? I don't know, but Kai Bowman's awesome. How can you argue with 17.7 boards and five assists a game? You can't argue with that. Not in the ACC. You know, I, I said early, early on, maybe even before the season, I thought this kid being the starting point guard was going to be disastrous for Boston College. I was so wrong. I've been wrong about a lot of things, and that's not in the top ten. But this was, it was up there. Um, I, I just thought that he would turn the ball over too much. He still makes. Funky turnovers. There are, night, there are times when he uh, doesn't get um, his team. Hold on a second. When he doesn't, uh, you know, put his team or set up his offense, he just takes poor shots, things like that. Um, but you can't argue with what he's done this year statistically. You know, if he played for North Carolina, he'd probably win the national fucking player of the year. So, uh, second name, Temple Gibbs. I actually took Matt Farrell out of this spot and put Temple Gibbs in, mostly because Matt Farrell only played 13 ACC games this year. Temple Gibbs played all 18, scored 16 a game, stepped into the lead role when Colson and Farrell went down, made this team his own as a sophomore, and really came into his own. Uh, Temple Gibbs is a kid that really, I, I wanted at G-Tech. He ended up going to Notre Dame, which is fine with me. Um, he's a great player, and a lot of people I don't think rec realize it. Temple Gibbs... Third team, I, I've, I've praised this kid all year. There's nothing more I can really say. Gabe DeVoe rolls in as my number three on the third team. Um, early on, probably wouldn't have made anything, you know, much less a team, probably wouldn't have made an honorable mention. When Grantham went down, Gabe DeVoe made this his team, and he made it his team emphatically. Um, he ended the year... 14-5-2 uh, and two a game, 41% from three. Um, it, <laughs> this was a kid that was never known for his scoring after he left high school. He was a big-time scorer in high school, came into Clemson with that reputation, of course. 
Brad Brownell isn't um, a coach that's going to, I guess, uh, put a guy in a star, put a guy in a star role on a pedestal and, and give him the team, let him go. You're going to play within a system at, at, at Clemson. And, you know, DeVoe seemed relatively okay with kind of stepping back and letting Marquise Reed do his thing, letting Grantham do his thing. Um, other players do their thing ahead of him. When Grantham went down, somebody had to step up. Gabe DeVoe was that guy. I've been impressed with him all season long. Gabe DeVoe, third team all ACC. Moving on, this is the last guy in, okay? I had another guy in the spot when I was talking to Matthew. Hokey Smash, my buddy. I just took him. I just took that guy out. Put Gary Trent the second, uh, Gary Trent Jr. in this morning. Um, it's funny because Duke has so many stars that you may not realize what Gary Trent Jr. did this year. Go ahead and take a look at his game logs. That's what I did, and when I did, there was no question that he deserved to be in here. Forty-two uh, percent from deep as a freshman is crazy. Eighty-seven uh, percent from the line. You know, this kid doesn't play like a freshman. He plays like a senior. Um, and he, he's been better than Grayson Allen this year. I think that's safe to say. At the, I mean, Grayson had the big game against Michigan State. But consistency, you know, Gary Trent's been on point all year as a freshman. And due to his teammates and their star power, he may not get recognized as much as he should. I'm sitting here praising a Duke guy. I just puked him off a little bit. Because I got to do it again. Because the last guy on the third team is Grayson Allen, and I have to sit here and I have to say good things about Grayson Allen. It's fucking killing me. Um, I know I, I've said good things about four Duke guys now. Okay, people, fuck. Um, down here, you know, expectations are high for this kid every year since his sophomore year, and uh, you know he stepped up huge when Bagley went down. You know he stepped up huge when they needed to make a statement early in the season to beat Michigan State. I don't know if he's a leader. I don't know if he's mature. I don't know if I'd ever want him on my team, but he's fucking good. He really is. He's going he's gonna to have an impact on this tournament, both ACC and NCAA. Um, uh, I, I, I can't sit here and say great things about Grayson Allen for an extended period of time. Uh, tough year shooting, but he's going to make it when he needs to make it. You know, um, sometimes it's not about quantity. It's about quality. He's going to shoot 28% in conference play, something crazy like that. And I'm still gonna probably gonna let him take the big shot at the end of the game. You know, I'd rather have Joel Berry taking it, but you know, I'd settle for Grace Allen in a fucking heartbeat over 98% of the rest of Division One. So that's the third team: Kai Bowman, T.J. Gibbs, Gabe DeVoe, Gary Trent Jr., and Grace Allen. Obviously, Duke leads the way with uh, with uh, four four guys on the three teams. Um, pains me to do that, but. You know, the proof is on the court. The proof is in the product. No Louisville guys made my teams, which yeah, I could put Ray Spaulding in there. Who the fuck am I going to take out? Am I going to take out TJ Gibbs for Ray Spaulding? No. You should have known that before the beginning of the season, the way I praised TJ Gibbs. Uh, my honorable mention, Terrence Mann, Mark L. Johnson, Dinga Dell, Matt Farrell, Phil Kofer, Ray Spaulding. And I forgot a name. Let's throw Kyle Guy in there too. Kyle Guy deserves some some love, you know. If he played for, you know, NC State, he'd average twenty a game. So, Terrence Mann, I, I had him on the third team. Um, it basically came down to him and Grayson. Terrence Mann had some good games. He also had some pretty bad games. Uh, now Grayson had some bad games too, but he's just I think he's had a better season. Um, Terrence Mann did have that 30-point game against G-Tech, which was pretty impressive. Um, when he wants to play, he can play. That little step back between the legs dribble from the foul line jumper that he has is damn near unstoppable. Obviously, you guys know that I love Mark L. Johnson. Um, he could play point guard for my team any day. Dang Adele, uh, double figures every game. Book it, but uh, inefficient. Uh, I had Matt Farrell on the third team. Took him out for TJ Gibbs, like I said. Phil Kofer, not my favorite player, but has been consistent for FSU all year. Ray Spaulding, one of my favorite players in the conference. Couldn't really find a spot for him here. I mean, you could argue he could be on the second team. I mean, the guy's great on both ends of the court. Two-way player, fantastic. He's a pro. He's going to make a, a team out of the second round, and they're going to fucking love him for it. I, I love Ray Spaulding. He's one of my favorite guys. So those are the all-conference teams for ACC Basketball Report. Let's move on to the all-freshman team, which, again, I have to sit here and say good things about Duke. 
Uh, freshman team, Marvin Bagley, Wendell Carter Jr., Gary Trent Jr. You know, I've been over it with these guys. Um, I'm going to move into the last two guys, which I have not discussed yet. And again, Miami fans, uh, they're going to have tiki torches outside of my house by the end of this. But uh, first guy I want to talk about is DeAndre Hunter. I know. You look at DeAndre Hunter's numbers, you look at uh, Lonnie Walker, the fourth's numbers, and you're going to say Walker had a better season. Well, I think in that situation, you got to look at pace of play, you got to look at program, you got to look at style of play. And I think when you do that, you're comparing apples to sandcastles. Um, it's just, you can't do it. DeAndre Hunter goes to Miami and plays. He's a star. He's better than Lonnie Walker IV was at Miami, I think. I, I don't think there's really any question about that. Um, but DeAndre Hunter, he, he struggled early. Uh, redshirt freshman. You know, played inconsistently early on in the season. And then uh, Bennett put him at the high post in the Syracuse game. And everything changed. It was like you could, you could almost see the neon light click above his head. It just became clear the type of player he was going to be. Now, I believe when he came to Virginia, he was recruited as a shooting guard. Well, he's 6'7". So let's put him at the 3-4, stretch 4. And he killed Syracuse that game. Uh, 15 points that game, I believe. Most of them from the high post area. If you step out on him, he's going to blow by and lay it in. If you give him some room, he's going to hit the, he's that little short mid-range jumper. Fantastic. He, he's been fantastic for Virginia. Uh, they would not be 17-1 in the ACC without this kid because the, like a week later, he torched. That's funny to say this. He torched Georgia Tech for 17, which typically when you say torch, you think of the guy scored 29. Well, 17 points for a Virginia player, that's pretty pretty crazy shit. You know, Devin Hall just made second team and scored less than 12 points a game. So, this kid has been pivotal in, in Virginia's season. Um, again, if he played for Miami, he'd probably score 17 a game. So, DeAndre Hunter joins the Dukies on the freshman team. And then the last guy, this is another guy that probably should be on one of the teams, the all-conference teams. He would make an all-conference team in any other conference in the, in the country, I think. He would be the star player for almost any other team in the country right now. Um, you never hear this kid's name outside of ACC circles, and that's O'Shea Brissett. This kid, as a freshman, he, he was the freshman I missed biggest on. I didn't think he could shoot. Um, I knew he was a high-level rebounder at the AU level. I didn't know if that would translate uh, to ACC play. Sometimes they step back. This kid averaged 15 points and nine boards a game as a freshman. It's crazy numbers for a freshman. When's, when's, you know, it, it, now that we have the one-and-done rule in place, you're seeing guys like Bagley and Carter and them guys come in. So it doesn't shock you anymore when you used to see guys like Dion Glover at Georgia Tech come in and score whatever it was, 18 a game, you know, Marbury, shit like that. You know, those were shocking seasons for freshmen. This kid averaged 15 and 9 a game as a freshman. It's crazy. Crazy. Kid is a star. I, I hope for Syracuse. Well, Jesus Christ, it pains me. You know, it's hard to do this podcast and be a fan of a team in the conference at the same damn time. Kills me every week. I, I'd like I'd like to see O'Shea Brissett and uh, Darius Baisley play together next year. Holy shit. I feel bad for the rest of the ACC. That's the most athletic 3-4 combination you'll see in the country next year. Have you ever seen Darius Baisley play? Holy fuck. I don't even know if I'm saying his name right. Maybe Basley. I doubt it. Doesn't sound quite right. But go to YouTube. Look up Baisley. Uh, he's a kid that's coming in for Syracuse next year who is crazy athletic. Um, you put these two guys on the court together, it's going to be insanity. It's going to be Lob City. And then you got Jalen Carey coming in and going to play the point. He's going to be throwing alley-oops to these guys left and right. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be teabagging all kinds of people. Let's move on to the all-defensive team, another team that I struggled with. As much as I wanted to, I couldn't fit Lammers in here. Um, yeah, my own people are going, to, are going to string me up here. But I, there was there, there was eight good options. You know, I've uh, I've cut and pasted this defensive team multiple times, so I'm going to get right into it. First guy, big man, uh, Darrell Moore. Which, if you don't know who Darrell Moore is, there's a good reason he plays for Wake Forest, and Wake Forest sucks. So you probably don't watch them play very often. They're fucking hot garbage. So his defensive rebounding percentage this year was over 30%, which I said yesterday on Twitter. 
Ben Lammers is big. Doral Moore is huge. You know, Ben Lammers is trying to play defense on Doral Moore, who's who's actually uh, developed a pretty decent back to the basket game this year. Um, and he just can't stop him. I mean, this guy's just long and big, and he's he's carrying so much weight. And uh, his stamina isn't fantastic, but he is. You know, he had 15 and 15 games, 16 and 16 games. He averaged two blocks a night uh, with you know 10 10 rebounds. Um, and you get him in close to the basket on offense, which I know doesn't matter for the defensive team, but you know he's going to jam it right down your throat. He's going to rip the whole rim in the backboard down and beat somebody to death with it. He's just, you know, I'm looking forward to watching him play next year. I think Wake Forest is going to be bad again next year, but Darrell Moore is a pleasure to walk play, so he's to watch play. He's on my all-defensive team. Isaiah Wilkins, obviously, he's the best defensive player on the best defensive team. Six-seven guy that shuts down seven-footers. You know, he's their best, most talented big man, and he's undersized, and he still does things that just, he, he just shuts people down. It's crazy. And uh, I think it goes without saying that Isaiah Wilkins is on this team. Uh, my third guy is Marquise, Marquise Reed. Um, again, if you don't, you can't look at the numbers on Reed and say, huh, why? Um, you got to watch him play. Tied to the league lead in steals at one point in a game. If you watch him play, I don't think there's anybody in the ACC better except one of the other guys on this team at playing the passing lanes and getting breakaway dunks and layups. Marquise Reed is one of the most underrated defenders in the conference, one of the most underrated players in the conference. Great on the ball, great off the ball, plays uh, passing lanes extremely well. And uh, I almost gave him Defensive Player of the Year. Ultimately, I did not, but, uh, but he was right up there for me. Uh, another guy on Defensive Team, fourth guy, Devin Hall. Again, he's going to shut down, you know, Virginia's opponent's best perimeter guy. Devin Hall gets that assignment. He's going to shut him down. He shut down a Kogi earlier this year uh, when Kogi was really rolling. Uh, he, he's just, he's going to go down, he's going to hit triples in your face, and then he's going to shut down your best player. Uh, again, Devin Hall, one of the uh, defensive win chairs, I think he's, there's like four guys from Virginia at the top of this list at, on defensive win chairs. You go to sportsreference.com and check it out it's just it's a crazy stat last guy on the team um frank howard again uh he tied with marquise reed with uh steals per game at 1.8 frank howard plays the top of that uh, syracuse zone that's been so good all year he's long lanky you know he gets gets those big mitts out in the passing lanes and it, you know typically results in a breakaway dunk or layup just he's a fantastic defensive player he can block shots he can steal the ball he can create runouts he's just he's a really good player another player that probably on any other in any other conference in the country, he's on one of those three teams. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of Frank Howard. Um, he's a volume shooter. You know, not typically a volume scorer, but his defense at the top of that zone is is undeniable. It's craziness. So let's get into that, that's all defensive team, by the way. Darrell Moore, Isaiah Wilkins, Marquise Reed, Devin Hall and Frank Howard. I, I don't think you can argue. You can argue that some other players should be in those positions, but I don't think you can argue that they deserve to be in those positions more than the guys I have here. Ben Lammers is a fantastic defender, my favorite defender. If I put him in there, though, I would be telling myself that the only reason I have him in there ahead of Darrell Moore is because he's a Georgia Tech guy. So I love Ben Lammers. Ben, he's still my boy. Vanilla Godzilla, you're going to go down in the history books as one of my favorite players ever passed through Georgia Tech. Not quite Alvin Jones, but you're right up there with him. So let's move on to how pissed the Miami fans are at me right now. Um, and, and I'll say to you, Lonnie Walker wasn't that good this year. He's been good lately. He does things on the court that make you say, holy shit, he's going to be good in the league. And he is. I think he's going to be a fantastic professional player. Um, he has a flair for the dramatic. The big shots don't scare him. He rises to the occasion instead of uh, falls away from it. Hold on, let me grab some water. Um... You know, <laughs> he's got 10 games with seven or less points. I, I, I can't, and I know, you're going to look at DeAndre Hunter's numbers now, right? Go, go look at him. I'll wait. All right, I'm not really going to wait. <laughs> Again, apples to sandcastles. You, you can't compare the two. It's, it's, it's style of play. It's pace of play. It's, it's so many factors that you just you can't compare the two. Now, you can extrapolate some things and say that, that uh, DeAndre Hunter goes to Miami, like I said, and he has a better game. I think if you take Lonnie Walker and put him on Virginia, he's scoring six and a half points a game. 
you know, he plays for Miami, and he's been the star player. He's done well since Bruce Brown went out, and he made it his team. I think he's been a fantastic player. He's only averaging 11.5, 2.5, and under 2 assists a game. His rebounding in conference has actually decreased to 2.3 rebounds a game. How do you have that much talent, that much athleticism, that much size, and only get two rebounds a game? I mean, Dewan Hewell's sucking up some rebounds, sure. Izundu's sucking up some rebounds, sure. You know, Anthony Lawrence is getting his fair share. Lonnie Walker should be averaging more than two and a half rebounds per game. I mean, I'm sorry to say, you want to be on these teams, the 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 competition is fierce. Do better. You know, and he's he, he, there's no opportunity for him to prove it to me in the ACC because he's going to go pro. You know, I bet the guy hasn't, I'd be willing to bet the kid hasn't been to a class in six weeks. Um, he's going to be fantastic. I want to love watching him play in the pros. But he just he just didn't have, you know, breaking down the numbers, some people had to stay off. Lonnie Walker was the, the, the first guy out, okay? Tournament, you got the first four in. On ACC Basketball Report, you got the first guy off. Lonnie Walker was the first guy off. Grayson Allen never existed. Lonnie Walker would be on those lists. <clears throat> That's all I got to say. <clears throat> so, let's move into the individual awards, which uh, <laughs> I got a special one at the end. Just, just a, you know, a little cliffhanger. Walking Dead shit here, okay? There's a special one at the end. Stick around. Don't shut me off. Most improved player in the conference, TJ Gibbs, Notre Dame. Easiest. Easiest pick. Easiest pick out of all of them. Four and a half points per game last year, 16 this year. Called it before the season. Go back. Look. ACCBasketballReport.com. Who was my number one breakout guy? TJ Gibbs. All day. Now, another guy on that list was CJ Walker. Yeah. You know, not so much from me. Um, TJ Gibbs, though. He's money from deep. He's money from the line. He's the next great guard at Notre Dame, following Chris Thomas, Ben Hansborough, Demetri Jackson, uh, Matt Farrell. You know, he's the next guy. He's going to be awesome. Next year, you're going to see fatheads. TJ Gibbs. And I love him. Like I said, if I wasn't a G-Tech fan, I'd be a Notre Dame fan, and I love TJ Gibbs. TJ, go to Atlanta. You know, we need shooters. Okay. Uh, Freshman of the Year award. <laughs> Easy, again. Uh, No-brainer. Marvin Bagley the third. You know, I've, I've praised him about all I can stand at this point. Um, he's the number one pick in the draft. He's the best player in the country. I know some people argue Don, uh, nah, DeAndre Ayton. Nah, not me. I'd take Bagley. Uh, I think he has tremendous upside, especially on the defensive end. Uh, he uh, puts together that jumper from, from deep, I think. You know, he's, he, he, he's fantastic. Um Sixth Man of the Year award, DeAndre Hunter. Again, I think probably some people saw this coming, the way I praised him on this particular podcast. He stabilized that team offensively and continues to do so. Um, again, I worried about Virginia. I thought it was the Kyle Guy, Devin Hall show coming into this year. Uh, Ty Jerome obviously has had a huge impact on the season as well. But uh, DeAndre Hunter, I think, gave them that that big man option. Um, he's their best back-to-the-basket player. He's their best high-post player. Uh, Isaiah Wilkins is a, is a def- uh, lockdown defender and an opportunistic scorer, but DeAndre Hunter is a guy that can score a multitude of ways on the block at the foul line from deep with .9 seconds left. <laughs> um, you know, he, he's just a great player, one of my favorite players. He's going to be a star in this league for – at least two more years. I don't think he'll go pro next year. Shouldn't anyway. I don't believe he's there yet, but he's fantastic at the college level. Uh, Defensive player of the year, Isaiah Wilkins. Again, no-brainer. You know, when it comes to the team awards, the teams were a lot more difficult to pick than the individual awards. I think Isaiah Wilkins is the obvious choice for defensive player of the year. Um, He's the best defensive player on the best defensive team I've ever seen. Makes big plays in big moments. He's not, you know, putting up huge block numbers, but he's going to block the shot with four seconds left. When they're up one, the guy thinks he's, you know, he thinks he's on a, a breakaway. Isaiah Wilkins is going to come flying and, and block that shot. He's going to get that steal in the block. He's going to draw the charge from from the big man defender who's already got four fouls. You know, he, he's just, he does it all. And he doesn't put up gaudy numbers. Um, it's, it's too bad. I don't know if he'll be a pro. Um, doesn't really have the outside game. But, you know, not a lot of touch on the offensive end. He's a fantastic defender. I mean, six, seven, shutting down seven footers. You got to be good to do that. Good footwork, good hands, timeliness on his on his verticals. Uh, you know, better time, better timing than athleticism. I think is the best way to say that. Even though I drew out the word timing like a 
like a kid that got hit in the head too much. Anyway, moving to the last two. Actually, the last three. Again, I got a special one at the end. Um, Coach of the Year Award, Tony Bennett. You know, it's funny listening to some of these broadcasts where these guys are trying to make a race out of it. It's been Tony Bennett's award for the last six weeks. Okay, He had this shit wrapped up in mid-January. He set the conference record, the ACC conference record, for 17 wins in a season. You know, I mean, granted, we're going to, you know, every year it seems like the ACC schedule expands and expands, but sorry, I'm just really parched. I have to keep uh, sucking down the water here. But, uh, I mean, 17-1 and one in conference, how do you not give it to the guy? You have to. It's been awesome. They were pick, I think I picked them sixth preseason. Never would I ever have thought that they would perform the way they have performed this year. Tony Bennett's award coach of the year. Now, Keats and Brownell are good, but obviously, uh, you know, it's just not the same level. You can't, you can't, there's no viable argument that you could say that's going to make me give this award to Brad Brownell over Tony Bennett. There's no way you can put up a pro and con column and say Brad Brownell did this, this, and this, and then give me three three ways that Brad Brownell has outcoached Tony Bennett this year. Not possible. Doesn't it doesn't exist. Does not exist. And if you do it, I can't say you're being objective. I just I, you got to be a, a, a Clemson fan. I just I, yeah. Kevin Keats is awesome too. He'll probably win a coach of the year eventually. It ain't gonna be when another team in the conference goes 17 one. I can tell you that. Anyway, so the big one, player of the year. Um, preseason award I gave to Bonzi Colson. Obviously, that didn't pan out. Again, ACC Basketball Report podcast cursed, rears its ugly head again. Fucker, it's been on me all year. Sorry, Bonzi. I really like you. You're a really good player. I'm sorry to see your senior season take that take that turn. Anyway, player of the year. <clears throat> there was only really one choice for me. I thought um, he's the number one pick in the draft. I don't know if he is the most is as a as transcendent of a player as I originally thought he was coming out of high school, but Marvin Bagley is going to make three hundred million dollars just in contracts alone. He's going to he's the next big thing. It's going to be his league, I think, when LeBron and Steph step away. Um, I, I just think the kid's destined for great things, um, and you know I got to put aside the Duke hate for right now because I would love to have Marvin Bagley in Atlanta. Uh, you know, he. I would love to have him in Boston on the Celtics. He's just the kid's fantastic. Um, you know, he. He's just. He, he, you don't see natural gifts, gifts, talents, things like that. You know, he's. I think he's the best player I've seen since LeBron, as far as total package. Now, like I said, he's got to work on the deep game. He's going to have to shoot threes in this league, um, and I think he will. He. He's lacking a little touch right now when he misses he misses very badly um even sometimes when he makes he's banking them in i think he'll work on that he's got too much talent and he, he's probably one of these I, I see him as one of these kids that he's probably good at everything he does you know you, you tell him the basics of it and he's just going to figure it out i think he's going to go to the league he's going to figure it out so marvin bagley is my acc player of the year uh i never really gave another player a second thought i mean joel uh, luke may and Joel Berry were up there. I, I can't sit here and tell you that Luke May is a better player than Marvin Bagley. And again, my picks are just, you know, the eye tests. You know, they're not really statistically based, which Bagley's had a better year than May statistically as well. Um, I just, Bagley, there's no way to really stop him. The only thing that stopped him this year was injuries. Uh, it's just, I mean, I, I, I don't know how, how you argue against it. I don't know how you don't give him the award. I guess is, is a better way to say that. I don't know how you justify giving it to Luke May over Marvin Bagley, outside of being a UNC fan. Okay, I don't know. I don't know how you do it. You can't claim that I'm a Duke fan, people. I'm just gonna give it to the best guy. If I was gonna give it to my guy, Josh Kogi'd win for the next three years. So, it is what it is. Um, I have a new award this year, a very special award, an award that is very dear to my heart. It's the ACC Basketball Reports First Annual Douchebag of the Year Award. Now. I mean, when you think about it, there's only one guy that deserves this, right? G-Tech fans are already nodding their head. You know, they got Ronnie James Dio horns in the air. They knew who I'm talking about. Mr. Bell, Mr. Ron Bell. You are the first annual douchebag of the year, courtesy of ACC Basketball Report. This guy's trying to burn down Josh Pastner. He's trying to burn down Georgia Tech. 
he's trying all kinds of things, all kinds of shady business on Twitter. Uh, if you want to check him out, you can. I forget, Unsilent Passioner fan or some damn thing. I don't know. But uh, douchebag of the year, ECC. Congratulations. I hope uh, you get everything that's coming to you. Anyway, a uh, few quick notes before we wrap this up. Josh Okogie scored his 1,000th career point uh, this week for uh, for G Tech, which is pretty fantastic for a guy who was quote unquote a zero star guy. If you listen to ESPN's uh, ranking systems, which and Amir Shoft is that his name? I can't remember. Um, says every time he does a broadcast for G Tech games. Um, I tried to correct him on Twitter at one point. He said they go by ESPN's rankings, not everybody else's. And that's why ESPN is no longer credible. Because they do shit like they did to Sean Miller. Their recruitings are terrible. Uh, their recruiting rankings are terrible. The uh, you know Their reporting has been uh, shifty, to say the least, lately. Um, and, eh, anyway, back to Okogi. Fantastic player player that we never saw coming, never expected. I did not expect this when he originally signed. I am so glad he stayed. One of my favorite players. B.J. Elder is my favorite Georgia Tech player of all time. Josh Kogi might go down as number two. He's, he's awesome to watch play basketball. It's just really a pleasure. Um, hope he stays this year. We need him to stay this year. So uh, shout out to Josh Kogi. Um, pair up with Mike DeVoe and Alvarado next year, and let's go dancing. Anyway, um, moving on to less uh, personal items. Stefan Mitchell was out yesterday with a hammy, and Luka Krajevic took a nasty crack to the head. I'd be surprised if he doesn't have a concussion. Those two are out. BC is in trouble against GTEC, I think, on uh, Tuesday afternoon. Probably the biggest uh, note or uh, event off the court this week was Jaleek. Oh, Jesus Christ. Jaleek Felton. How come it isn't Jaleek? Why is it Jaleek? We're just making up the rules on names as we go. You know, my name is Michael. I don't spell it P-H-I-L. Um, anyway, Jalik Felton has withdrawn from UNC, according to his lawyer, Kerry Sutton. Um, there was never a whole lot of information released as far as what's going on with Felton. Um, I think he's looking to transfer at this point. I don't think he's going to go pro. I haven't seen that yet. It's entirely possible. He's a really talented kid. Uh, didn't see a lot of minutes for uh, UNC this year. I think he averaged three points and two boards. But, uh, you know, he's a talent. I don't know what happened. Um, I don't know what the situation is. I don't dare speculate. If you want to read speculation on that situation, you can jump on Twitter and probably read a thousand different theories. Um, sorry to see him go, but uh, I'm glad he won't be there to hit big shots against Georgia Tech. The other player to leave this week was Richard Washington. Uh, received his release from Wake Forest. He will be transferring. He's a 6'6 shooting guard, former three-star prospect. I don't believe he ever saw the floor. He's sitting up this year for a knee injury. I believe that's correct. I had a note somewhere, and I've lost it. Um, so he'll be looking to transfer. Again, the, the Felton the Felton leaving and Washington, uh, you know, leaving uh, Wake Forest, not really anything that's going to have any effect on any on-court product. UNC's been playing basically without Jaleek Felton all year, and has certainly been playing well without him lately, so I don't think it impacts their turn, their potential in the uh, national tournament uh, landscape. So, that is the team. Quick recap for you. I think UNC is going to win the ACC tournament and a win over Virginia in the finals. Uh, first team ACC for me is Bagley, May, Justin Robinson, Jerome Robinson, Marquise Reed. Second team is Tyus Battle, Joel Berry, Devin Hall, Wendell Carter Jr., Josh Okogie. Third team is Kai Bowman, TJ Gibbs, Gabe DeVoe, Gary Trent Jr., Grayson Allen. Uh, honorable mention, Terrence Mann, Markel Johnson, Dengadell, Matt Farrell, Phil Colfer, Ray Spaulding, and Kyle Guy. Freshman team, Bagley, Carter, Trent, Hunter, Brissett. Defensive team, Doral Moore, Isaiah Wilkins, Marquise Reed, Devin Hall again, Frank Howard. Uh, Lonnie Walker again did not make any teams. And congratulations to Ronnie Bell on being Douchebag of the Year at the uh, ACC First Annual douchebag of the year award this is the acc basketball report podcast i'm gonna go kill some nazis on call of duty feel free to join me at pcone 36 as well have a good weekend enjoy the tournament i will put out a podcast next sunday as i typically do and then i'll probably put out another special one on sunday night after the selection show 
to give everyone a little preview on what I think of the matchups and what I think everything is going on in the tournament and how I think our boys will fare. I say our boys. My G-Tech people who listen to this podcast are going to fucking kill me. Um, I have one team, Georgia Tech. Uh, but I will preview the rest of these games for you guys as well. Um, I think, uh, like I said, UNC, Virginia, probably your two safest bets in this tournament coming up in the, in the, the big tournament, the big dance. Um, Duke obviously has a high upside, but they also have potential to lose in the first weekend. So I'll, uh, I'll see you guys next Sunday. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend. And uh, don't forget to tune in next week. Don't forget to share, like, rate, review. You can call me whatever you want on the review as long as you give me five stars. Give me a hand. You want to support the podcast, go to my Podbean page, click on Be a Patron, and support the podcast as you can. I got swag on the way, people. Later.